Reverend Spearman, first of all, congratulations on becoming the new leader of the North Carolina NAACP. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. I really appreciate that. And how does that work? Were you elected? Were you appointed? How does it go down? Yeah, there's an election. Every two years, in the odd-numbered years, there is an election of the State Conference of Branches officers. The uh, conference enlists delegates from each branch. Depending on the number of members that a branch has, they can send a certain number of delegates to the conference, the convention, to vote on the officers in the odd number of years. I see. Okay, okay. And we knew this year the Reverend Dr. Barber, he was stepping down. And your background, 53 years, I think, involved with the NAACP, is that correct? 53 years as a member of the NAACP, that's correct. Okay, and vice president for the past six years. I mean, you've seen the North Carolina NAACP go through so many changes, I'm sure. Um, What's your vision for the future for the NAACP? My vision for the future of the NAACP is that we continue gaining the momentum that has been begun over the past 12 years of Dr. Barber's administration. Dr. Barber, when he was elected to the uh, presidency, he sought and used as his theme moving from banquets to battle. And so, of course, the battles that have ensued began back when we formed the HK on J Coalition, which was a supportive network that built a fusion movement, fusion coalition partners, began with 16 coalition members and has now mushroomed into over 200 coalition partners who uh, come together and, and assist us in moving things forward as we deal with some of the injustices that we see in the state of North Carolina. Of course, the movement has continued to grow through the Moral Monday movement and the Forward Together movement. There are four methods that the NAACP employs, and those are direct action, legislation, litigation, and political action. With those four, we move forward together and not take one step back. And Reverend Spearman, I read that you were the second person arrested at the first Moral Monday. What was that experience like? For me, it was a very rewarding experience to bear witness to what we saw to be and perceived to be an extremist General Assembly that was beginning to make laws and put laws in place that were counterproductive to minority groups of people. When we were asked whether or not we thought this was a thing that we needed to move forward with, and when I say we, there were a few clergy members on the call that evening before April 29th, 2013, that gathered together uh, on a conference call. And when asked, I listened to a few of the others of my colleagues And when I chimed in, I said, this is a time when we cannot not do what needs to be done. And so uh, that Monday, the 29th of April, we uh, took our faith position and, and moved forward. And of course, the rest is history. Okay, and Reverend Barber, over his 12 years, he became this really kind of larger than life figure, this icon almost. You know, it's such big shoes to fill. Are you nervous? Are you excited? What do you think? I think I'm feeling a lot of everything (laughs) at this point. But one of the things that I am very keenly aware of is that I cannot be 
Bishop William J. Barber II. I, I cannot be him. I will not make an attempt to fill what people call some big shoes. Uh, I've said to someone prior to now that I wear a size nine, and that's the size that I will continue to wear as the president of the North Carolina NAACP. I will do what T. Anthony Spearman can and will do with the behest of the Lord, and uh, I will move us forward in that vantage point, but I will not attempt by any way, means, shape, or form to mimic or imitate Dr. William J. Barber II. I'm not sure if this was new or what. I'm only 33, so I've seen the NAACP for just a short time, but he sort of expanded it from this kind of issues focus to being this icon of so many more people beyond just black people, gay people, you know, white people, people who are down and out. Was that new or has that always been the NAACP? Jeremy, that, if you go back to the humble beginnings of our organization back in 1909, you will discover that the pioneers of the NAACP were comprised of a very, very diverse group of individuals, the majority of whom were not African-American, but were Caucasian-American, Anglo-American. And with that group of people, we were able to move forward together in a kind of fusion movement. And I think that is where, when we go back and we see ourselves historically, because uh, we cannot afford to be a, a historical people, when we look back at that, we see that, yes, this has been since the beginning of the NAACP. So in a very real sense, what Dr. Barber has done was to get the NAACP, to get the train back on the tracks and to uh, proceed by moving forward as this valiant civil rights organization was intended to move forward. What do you think the challenges are that you face? You had mentioned this sort of metaphorical battle. Who are the foes that are standing in the way of your progress? Well, of course, the present General Assembly is probably the most glaring group of individuals who are putting laws in place that are contrary and counterproductive to people who are minorities. They just seem to be moving in a way that supports the 1% over and against the 99%. What I mean by that is the, the haves over and against the have-nots. And that is causing a lot of problems here in North Carolina and across the, I think, with the new presidential administration, uh, the vitriolic kinds of hatred that are being released in our communities is also something that we have to be very, very cognizant of as we move forward in a fearless manner to be able to fight back and make sure that justice is the order of the day. There are too many injustices that we're facing, and it seems to be an avalanche of these bad laws that we're putting in place, and, and we have been fighting them back, and we've been winning. One of the most important, I think, pieces that we have recently succeeded in is the battle with the voter suppression. And we know that there are going to be other efforts that are going to come forth to make attempts to fight back our right to vote. But we are ready at every turn to fight back with the uh, legal minds that we have in the NAACP to do just what we know to be the right thing. 
Okay, and just like William Barber, you're also a reverend. You, I, I believe you're the pastor at St. Philip Ami Zion Church in Greensboro? In Greensboro, North Carolina, yes, sir. Are you going to continue with that as well? Yes, sir. And I also happen to be the president of the North Carolina Council of Churches. I think all of those work hand in hand. If the strength remains in my body, I, I intend to continue them all. We've got this issue playing out before our eyes. It's the NFL players kneeling to protest racism and, and systemic injustice in the justice system. Uh, what do you think about all of that that's playing out You know, at the national level, even with President Trump getting involved? And they are being demonized in a way that I think is totally unfair, especially when you juxtapose what's going on on the football field over and against what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia. The president stumbled and very visibly in terms of laying blame where blame ought to have been laid by saying it's, it, it shows up on many sides, many sides. No. It was the hatred that was being spewed by the KKK and all of the other regimes of white supremacy. But he has not come out and denounced them as he's denouncing these football players. I, I see it as being just such hypocrisy. So I am certainly going to make sure that the NAACP does all that she can to fight back those kinds of hypocrisy and bigotry and and I would even suffer to say idolatry, because when we start talking about the flag and the things that they're talking about in terms of not kneeling and honoring the flag, it's just, it's proof positive to me that there is another kind of religion that the United States of America has given herself over to, or probably has always been present and prevalent in the United States of America, that seems to me not to be indicative of the fact that we're one nation under God. And I can hear the passion in your answers uh, when you answer that question. So it sounds to me like you you are ready. You're ready to take this on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What is the T in T. Anthony Spearman? Theodore. Theodore. And okay. Theodore, yep. And Theodore stands for the gift of God. My father's name was Theodore. And I'm Theodore Anthony, so I wasn't a junior, but a lot of people called me junior. So when I got older and more mature in years and my father was still alive, I chose to call myself T. Anthony Spearman to distinguish between us and to make sure that people did not refer to me as being junior. I, I, just, I, I just really don't like that, I uh, see. that term, junior. Yeah. I see. Okay. But I love my name, but I, I, didn't, I didn't like the junior piece. Okay. Well, great, great. Um. I think those are my questions. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we say goodbye? Well, Jeremy, I really appreciate your reaching out to me and pray that up there in the Asheville area, which is, uh, I, I have a lot of passion for the folk who are out there in the West. We have a number of new branches that started up there back in 2013. Father Jim Abbott, who is a good friend of mine and a colleague through the North Carolina Council of Churches, will tell you that I came up there in 2013, and I was one of the first people that the people in the West learned about the movement of the Moral Monday movement. And one of the largest gatherings in the West, in Asheville, was over 10,000 people. Yeah, and we remember that event well, because that was such yeah. a huge gathering here. Yeah. I don't take credit for it, because, I mean, credit is not the thing, but I, I, I think that some of what I did, I may have been a catalyst in helping that to come together. 